Hello, and welcome to the What's Career Got to Do With It podcast, where we hope to provide a space for honest conversation and information that encourages the listener to take the next steps in their career journey. Wherever you are in this process, we hope this episode will meet you with affirmation, guidance, and maybe some laughs along the way. On today's episode, we are joined by special guest Greg Victory, Fannie Mitchell Executive Director of the Duke Career Center, as we discuss an answer or many to the question, how do I reach fulfillment? Mm. Welcome, Greg. So, answers, Greg. <laughs> Let me see. Let I uh, pull up my bag of tricks and see where we start. Uh, it, it's interesting. I, I've had a lot of conversations recently with uh, students who are seniors who are looking at job offers and sort of saying, is this going to provide me with fulfillment? And it's a really tough question to answer. But I think it's important to think through what fulfillment really means and for students to sort of step back and say, as I look at my Duke experience, was my academic major uh, leading me to fulfillment? And just my academic uh, major was the club or organization that I was involved in or a leader of? Was the sports team I was a member of? Uh, was the volunteer service I did? Were, were those individualized experiences uh, leading to, f you know, complete fulfillment. And I think it's something that Duke students in particular struggle with because of their desire to make uh, Duke and the world a better place. Uh, so I, I, I think it's, it, it's an opportunity for reflection, for students to step back and say, what is fulfillment? And I'd be curious to to push that back to you all to say, you know, how do you define that? I mean, I have my definition of what that means, but I'd love to hear what you all think about um, what, what does it mean for you to be fulfilled or to find fulfillment? You got to get the whole noodle working for that one. <laughs> fulfillment, I, I think, is somewhere along the lines of or in synonymous with the word completion in some ways, um, not to the extent that we believe that completion is uh, being final, but completion in the sense of there's something about this task or there's something about this opportunity that brings wholeness that makes me feel like I don't necessarily have to move forward anymore, that I've reached this precipice or I've reached this moment in life where I feel like I am at the pinnacle of who I am as a person and who I am professionally. Yeah. I, wow, Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> you gave us a true Rudy answer, <laughs> which it's is that very MDiv. Right? I was just sitting here like I was sitting here listening Reverend, to the sermon again. Anyway. Reverend Rudy. <laughs> um, I would I will say yes that that fulfillment like I'm at a place where it feels right, and, and you know we've had these conversations. I am a good person, um, so when it's right, it feels right. I found my groove. Um, I'm happy, and I'm meeting some of the, those goals that I set for myself. Yeah. So, you know, with the one conversation with one of the students, it surfaced of, is this job going to provide me with everything that I really want, right? And am I going to get bored? And in some ways, boredom is not a bad thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's an opportunity for you to think about to other things, to plan, to reflect on the places that you're doing. Boredom really sometimes I think is a term that's overused. I think it's really about, hey, there's a moment of rest here and respite. 
And I can ask for more work and other assignments and new projects. But I also can step back and say, how is my work shifting? What are the things I want to do more of? And I was frank with the student, which students know if they spend any time with me is kind of my MO, (laughs) (laughs) was to say, like, you should never assume that your job is going to provide you with that fulfillment. So I've been talking a lot in the uh, Designing Your Do class about the sense of flow. And when do you hit that flow, right? And it's just things in your life tend to have some balance, you know, and that's everything from how are you involved in your community, you know, what are the relationships that you have, how is work going, and not all of those things are always going to be on the positive energy side of, of the equation. But if you find that flow and balance, you're more productive, you're more excited, you have a positive, more positive outlook. You want to get up and, and sort of do the things that are important for you. And sometimes work is at its peak and sometimes it's at its valley and sometimes it's both of those in the same day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really sort of thinking about finding fulfillment for me is really about finding balance. And it's about making sure that you're filling your time with things that are important to you. Right, And some of those things you can control and some of those things you can. And sometimes the work assignment you get, you can't control. Um, but the things you do after that work assignment, that after your work day, you can control. So it's really about am I providing value? For me, it's am I providing value? Am I finding ways to pro- find balance? Uh, and I, w- what's giving me energy in places where my energy may be lagging in other parts of my life? So. It's a big question because I do think, you know, there's so much pressure and, you know, I've come to this point where I don't love uh, our office being called the Career Center because I think it puts a lot of pressure on students to feel like they have to have it figured out for the rest of their life and they don't. It's really like what's the first step in this journey? But putting that additional pressure on this job has to check all of these boxes or I won't be happy is is just unnecessary and unrealistic, right? That what else can you do? Can you join a sports um, club in the city that you're moving to? Can you continue to volunteer and do good work? Uh, it's a big question, and I think a lot of Duke students are struggling with it, and I want them to know, like, it's it's not all about that job. Like, let's talk about what are the other places and opportunities you have to intersect to build um, more opportunity to hit that that flow in life. You're igniting something inside of me now, right now, thinking about all of this, and I'm like, "Ooh, I don't know if everybody knows that there's this this uh, uh, piece in positive psychology called flow psychology or flow state, um, which is fascinating." I'm gonna read it for you. A student shared this with me um, the other day, and it's and exactly what you said. So this is legit, and he did not quote the Wikipedia article that I'm about to. <laughs> um, in positive psychology, a flow state, also known colloquially as being in the zone, is the mental state in which a person performing some activity is fully immersed in a feeling or uh, of energized focus, full involvement and enjoyment in the process of the activity. In essence, flow is characterized by the complete absorption in that in what one does and a resulting transformation in one sense of time. Ooh, yeah, that's that's it right there. And I can never pronounce the psychologist's name who's come up with that concept. It's it's uh C S I K S Z E N T M I H A L Y I. I apologize because it's a yeah. it, it's a great it's a it, it's it, it's really a well thought out 
and well-researched piece. I find that flow when I'm eating mint chocolate chip ice cream. That's kind of when I'm in my <laughs> zone. Uh, but I think it's really important for people to process and understand, like, those things come and go, right? It's called the flow for mm-hmm. a reason. You hit it, and sometimes it dips, and sometimes it turns. If you think about it from the perspective of water and a river, it's going to navigate around barriers and rocks. It's going to drop every once in a while. It's going gonna, it's gonna to twist and turn, um, but it's constantly at least moving uh, in a forward direction. Energized focus. I like that. Like, yeah. Like, you, with you, it's your mint chocolate chip mm-hmm. ice cream. For me, it's with my, my music. And I, and I find that right playlist, and it's just like, yes, I'm in the spot, and I'm focused. But I like that energized focus. I like that. Yeah. And, and kind of thinking through what we have just talked about and what Greg shared in, in this flow state, um, but also what students can find themselves doing or what we even find ourselves doing is that in a position where really just relying too much on what work actually gives us and fully diving into that. And then all of a sudden we realize, oh, that's not everything I need. Greg, could you speak a little bit more to that and how we rely too much maybe on what our work has as far as opportunity goes? Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of talk, uh, particularly during the pandemic, about work-life balance and burnout and the great resignation and, and quiet quitting. And the reality is I think we've put too much focus on getting satisfaction and happiness out of the thing we get paid to do. And I will say to you, having been in the same industry for almost the entirety of my career, um, there are parts of my day that drain me, right? And and uh, where I find solace and energy is surrounding myself with people who are committed and care about the work that I am committed and care about. And I find that when I need it most, it's it's the energy that I get from students. And that's really why I do what I do. But I take that in, in other ways. And I realize that I do need um, other things that provide me outlets, that provide me an opportunity to be more reflective and dig deeper. And whether that's you know serving on a board uh, at my undergraduate institution and taking the things I'm learning that we're doing really well at Duke and saying, you too could do these things to make this place better for the students who are going here. Uh, it's hanging out with friends and, and cooking together. It's traveling. It's finding ways to be uh, – to use my skills to, to help other organizations uh, navigate the challenges they're facing, all of those things tie together to make me better at all of those, right? So for me, it's if I'm only doing one thing, I may be doing that thing well in the confines and context of that activity, but I'm missing out on gathering all these other pieces of experience and information that make me better at all of those things, right? So good relationships make me a better, I think, a better leader. Uh, finding ways to uh, be uh, have innovative and creative solutions to problems makes me better as a friend. It makes me better in my job. It makes me better in other places. So it's really for me about not expecting to find one thing that's going to create happiness uh, for me and everything else. And it's, it is all of those things together. Again, I think it's, it's really about that balance. It's all those things together that allow me to find a place where uh, I enjoy 
what I do. I enjoy who I have become. I enjoy who I am as a professional. I'm proud of that. But it's it's taken time to get there, right? It doesn't always doesn't always work. We have experiences that sometimes really set us back a little bit. And finding that there's opportunities in those other places really helps us, I think, find that flow and find that balance. Yeah, don't don't expect things from work that it was never designed to yeah. give you. Yeah. That's – and it almost kind of sounds like dating. We have a colleague that I've always <laughs> – on here that always mentions everything in career yeah. is, is likened to dating. dating. <laughs> Don't expect everything from that person that they're not designed to give you. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, something that comes up often in our work is students with – particularly at the, the university or institution we're at, hyper-competitive – great opportunities before them, and they expect so much from it. So I think in particular, maybe PhD students who have this title and have all this work in, and they're expecting so much from a position, and they feel like if they don't get a certain position or a certain level, then it doesn't live up to that title. How do we respond to that? I think a lot of it has to do with what is your motivation for getting that degree, for getting that credential? And don't lose sight of what that motivation is. If that motivation is I want to be an expert in a particular topic, uh, in a particular field, uh, I want to do enough research and learning to change the trajectory of something, don't lose sight of that value and that motivation. Because how that then is applied outside of that particular situation um, changes. So your application of that knowledge might shift, but the competencies and skills you've developed through that, through that learning have not. And though the application of those competencies, right? So if you take, okay, I focused all of my research on X, uh, and I'm going into a field where maybe that research is not as as important as it was when I was in that lab doing that research, writing my dissertation. But all the things that you did that got you to that dissertation, all the things that you learned can be applied in other places. So it's really sort of in some ways parsing out what are the competencies I developed and learned through my academic journey, through my experiences at Duke, and how might I apply those in places where I can have an impact, uh, different from, right? And, and, and Angela's working on the AI project, and that's a great example of saying, I studied history, I got a PhD in history, and there's so many applications of the things that I've been able to learn and do in other places that aren't about being in the American Historical Association, that aren't about being in a museum or the Smithsonian, that aren't about being a, a history faculty member, and those are all viable options. If we take it out of the, the concept of I got this degree and wrote this dissertation to, the, the, that journey actually allows me to do many different things. And I think that's a struggle for lots of folks. It's so easy for us to fall into that label um, and to say, OK, I have to do things that are associated with X. Uh, I think that's one of the challenges of higher education is we become really pre-professional and how do we sort of give students space to explore um, because it is those that exploration, I think that will lead more likely to a more fulfilling life. 
I literally just had this conversation with a PhD this week, that exact conversation. Um, and they were realizing that they needed to find that balance and find that fulfillment. And they enjoyed what they did. They enjoyed their program. But there was a desire to see what else was out there and find it in another space. And then when it's the light bulb clicks and they're realizing, like you said, those skills that they've obtained during this whole program can be, you know, used in another space. It's the light bulb just lit. I literally just had that conversation this week. Yes. Um, I, I keep thinking over and over again, uh, do not let your technical skills become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Allow your transferable skills, the skills that you never think about, to open doors for you that you never even imagined. Um, I think we undervalue a lot of those transferable skills, and maybe we use that word too much that we we lower um, everybody's expectation when we talk about transferable skills. It's, it's just being a leader. It's just commitment, but it's so much more. Well, it's interesting. There was a recent article by Jeff Selinger, who was the former executive editor of the Chronicle Higher Education, has been an author in writing in the higher ed space for a number of years, who talked about the fact that higher education has a translation problem, that we're not able to translate liberal arts education to to employers, to industry. And really, it's, it's really that move away from let's stop calling them soft skills to let's calling them essential skills hmm. or skills of the 21st century. The ability to communicate is valuable in every single industry at every single level in every single role. Right? I don't want an engineer who's just going to be making widgets. Right? I want an engineer who can make decisions, who can solve problems, who uses critical analysis to move the organization forward. And I do think it's Again, it, it comes back – it all comes back to reflection in some way. What have I learned? How have I learned it? How have I demonstrated it? And where else might it be useful? Um, it's sort of that Venn diagram of um, what do I like to do? What can I get paid to do? You know, what, what kind of jobs are out there? And finding that sweet spot, the flow in the middle of that to sort of say and, – and I think spending more time finding out what are the careers out there that I have an interest in the jobs out there and internships out there have an interest in, and how does my experience then uh, apply to that in, in ways that I may never even dreamed of? Yeah. And I, I don't want anybody listening to this think that this all falls back on them in order to do this. Um, I think no. the theme of our podcast is helpful humans and making sure we're identifying those in our spaces. And what, what I'm saying when I, I'm mentioning this is that we have the opportunity to do a lot of things in this life, in this world, but we need the help of others to kind of reach that. And, you know, you're not going to just walk into a room one day and just become self-actualized. Shout out <laughs> Abraham Maslow for that one. Um, but at the end of the day, we, we need those questions from people. We need to curate spaces that are inviting people in to engage with these topics and to have these questions and thoughts surrounding all of these ideas. And, and Greg, do you mind speaking a little bit about how we're doing that currently? Sure. I, I mean, I think we have a, um, we have a reputation uh, challenge, I think, in the Career Center and that some folks think about us as a transactional space. Right, that I come in, I get a resume done, I have a, you know, cover letter looked at or a CV or whatever it might be, and you know, I can to a T on our team tell you that all of our advising staff really wants to have conversations. And a student walks in the door with a resume, and the first question we ask is, okay, 
what are you using it for? What are you interested in? It's really finding partners at Duke and outside of Duke who you can run ideas by. There's so much of what we think stays in our head and, and gets confusing. You know, we, we aren't able to say it out loud. And sitting across from an unbiased uh, individual who's going to reflect back to you what you say is some of the most cathartic experience you can have. You know, and, and the number of times a student has said to me, it felt really good to say that out loud. Um, so finding folks, whether they're, they're uh, colleagues of mine in the Career Center, they're advisors, they're Duke alumni, they're peers. If you're an undergraduate, it could be a graduate student to sort of say, like, here's the things I'm thinking about. Sometimes you don't even need a reaction. You just need to be able to say it because when you articulate it, all of a sudden it makes sense. It doesn't make sense. You, you need to find more places. So really finding – a community, right? And that's why we talk about it's helpful humans. Somebody who will will allow you to articulate some of the thoughts that you're having, some of the things you want to process, and not do that alone. It's it can be really lonely to do that alone. It can be really confusing. It can be super overwhelming. You know, I'll, I'll tell a quick story. I have, and I, and I've moved away from using mentoring a lot because I think it's just a it comes with a lot of baggage. But I have a, a person in my life who is celebrating her 49th year at my undergraduate institution, uh, who I do not make a move in my career without consulting her. And she was the director of student activities when I went to undergrad 30 years ago. And I just saw her last weekend. And it's still that place. Like, I don't make a move without consulting this individual because she gave me good advice 30 years ago. And she still gives me good advice today. But it also could be somebody that you are in class with who you're like, hey, I kind of have a connection with this person. We're, we're struggling with the same thing. Let's have a conversation around it. So it doesn't have to be this lifelong relationship. It can be, and that's really valuable. But it really could be these one-off conversations with individuals just so you can begin to, to storytell, which I think we don't do enough of and really is, is helpful in so many ways um, as we navigate some of these conversations. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I hope everybody is finding this as refreshing as I am. Um, but with that, we are at our time. So in true fashion, we will close out with a quick response to the question, how do I reach fulfillment? Ding, 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 ding. Okay, Greg. <laughs> uh, find balance. Explore. Uh, find the things that, that give you joy and do more of those. Find your balance and think outside of the box while you're doing it because you never know what you're going to like until you try it. You don't have to be who your resume says you are. You can be so much more. And with that, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to having you again. <laughs>